What's up, everybody? Welcome to Overflow Beyond the Music. I'm your host, Josh McCabe. And if you're wondering uh, what song that is or who that is singing on our intro, that's today's guest. That is Fearless by Mia Fields. She's a worship leader, a songwriter, an artist, and just one of the greatest people you'll ever hang out with. And uh, I'm so excited to have her as a guest on this show today because I feel like she's got so much to say. And maybe you're not fully familiar with who she is, or maybe you remember some of her Connection to Hill song, but I'll let her tell that story. But she has written so many, so many songs, uh, both in worship and pop and uh, a lot of songs that you've heard before on the radio and you probably didn't realize that she was a part of writing. And there were some songs that I didn't realize she was a part of writing um, until we got to catch up with one another. And I've known Mia for several years. And as soon as we started this podcast, I thought, I've got to find a way to get Mia on this podcast because she's got so much to say and you'll love the conversation. We we had a very long conversation and I tried to cut it down as much as possible, but there was just so much, so much good stuff to be gleaned from it. So if you're a songwriter, if you're an artist, uh, or if you're just even trying to figure out, find your way in your journey in life, I feel like you will take something away from this episode for sure. All right, so if you're not already doing so already, make sure you're following us online at Overflow BTM. That's Overflow BTM on Instagram. Make sure you give that a follow. We also just got our Facebook page up and going. You can find that at facebook.com slash Overflow BTM. I'm your host, Josh McCabe. If you'd like to find me online, you can find me at Josh McCabe Music on Instagram. is one of the best places to connect with me. You can connect with me on there. I would love to connect with you. I'd love to just uh, hear your story. You can send me a message. You can comment, whatever. I'd love to connect with you. Recently, we had Meredith Andrews on this podcast, and she's a worship leader, songwriter, and artist herself. And I thought it might be kind of fun to ask some artists who have written with Mia or have uh, are friends with Mia or have done uh, ministry or sang with Mia to give us a little bit of perspective on who Mia is and, and what she's like as a writer. And so this is part of my conversation with Meredith Andrews to lead us into our conversation with Mia. And so when I asked Meredith about what it was like to write with Mia Fields, she had this to say. favorite people to write with she's probably other than my husband the person that I write with the most um, she's one of my you know closest friends in Nashville and she's just a powerhouse when it comes to songwriting like you know so many people don't know this because they don't have the privilege of writing with her but she, she can uh, come up with a lyric just that you've never heard in your life out of nowhere that just like smacks you in the face and you just go what how did you even like you know come up with that and um, I just love her she's one of my favorite people and I've been writing with her for a long time I'm trying to even remember the first I, I, I don't know if this was the first song that I wrote with her or one of the first, but not for a moment, was one of the first songs that I ever wrote with her. Yeah, me and um, Jacob and Mia. But that story was, she kind of came and had this idea because it was around the time that um, Matt Redman's 10,000 Reasons record came out, and he had a song on there called Never Once that's just insane. And um, 
we were talking about that song and she's like, what if we write a song that's kind of like never once? Like, not to copy it, not that it's... But just to say, she's like, I love that language. Just say, not for a moment, you know, or something like that. And I'm like, yep, on board, let's do it. All right, so I've been living in Nashville now for a while, and I uh, haven't had a chance to catch up with Mia much outside of just saying hello to each other in church. So recently, I went over to her house, and we sat in her kitchen, and um, I asked her about uh, her lizard when I came in, and apparently I was a little ill-informed, and I was corrected very swiftly by Mia Field. So here's my conversation with Mia, and I start by asking her about her lizard. He's a dragon. A dragon? He's, he's an Australian beta dragon. A lizard would be a downgrade. To, he'll probably get offended. He probably can hear us. So. Oh, no. He likes to think he's a dragon. And you are, well, I guess still newly married, recently yes, married. Yes, yes. We, we've been married for two years, but we still act like we're newly married. So. I mean, newly married life is fun. Yeah, yeah. we really like each other. Well, that's, I mean, I'd hope you like each other. Yes, we do. <laughs> he's awesome. So um, your husband's name is... Joran. Joran. So I was going to let you say it because I've never said it and yeah. and gotten the okay that I pronounced it right. So Well, lots of um, Australians, like my parents call him Joran because they can't say it, but it's actually Joran. And where's he from? He is actually from Virginia Beach. Um, well, you know, kind of all over, but Virginia Beach. And so how did you, how did you two, I feel like I'm running like a dating marriage podcast. Right <laughs> um, how did you two meet though? Just in case it does turn into a dating or marriage podcast, I will say this. There is no formula. (laughs) Okay. God, everyone gets to have their own story and you don't have to filter yours through somebody else's. That's true. But you can, um, I mean, if you get anything from other people's story, just be inspired that God is kind and that he wants to be kind to you. He wants to orchestrate something on your behalf. So I met my husband, um, actually, he saw me at church um, and then moved moved cities but then asked me out anyway like a year and a half later (laughs) so I mean it's a it's a long story but it's a good story and it's a God story and let me just say God is interested in the details yeah he definitely is and um so I I want to talk about the a little bit about your journey because one one of the reasons why we started this podcast was I just feel like if you want to find a 10 minute radio interview about a song or a single you can find those mm-hmm. uh, but I want to hear people's stories because I feel like I feel like <laughs> when you understand someone's journey you understand why they write what they write and yeah, that's true where that passion or desire comes from or where even because we all see God we all see faith we all see life in different ways and that can usually come through a filter of of life experience so if no one could tell by now, you're Australian. Yes. I, I try and keep my accent even though I live in Nashville. <laughs> Let me ask you something because we, we attend the same church. Yes. And there's a lovely woman named Steph who hosts uh, in the service. I believe she's on staff at the church. Yes. And every so often, she is not Australian. But no. every so often, there's a word that slips out that might sound like she's Australian. Well, she spends a lot of time with Australians. She works for Alex and Henry, so our pastors, so she definitely sounds, has a few words that are Australian. <laughs> but my husband's the same. 
you know he will go to work and instead of saying can you can you put that put that in the trash for me he will say to his co-workers oh yeah just chuck it in the bin and then he'll, he'll come home and he'll be like you have to stop speaking Australian because I've started doing it and I'm like well love that's leadership yeah hey well <laughs> you, you're, you're, you're being influenced by my accent this is a good thing <laughs> well things are things are not taught they're caught exactly so tell me a little bit about Australia growing up and um, take, take me back to like 12 year old Mia Fields 12-year-old Mia Fields was a legend. Just check out my Instagram throwbacks and you'll see what an absolute, absolute ninja she was. Um, I grew up in a really small town of um, 3,000 people, 3,600 people, and it was like a um, – it was like just a tiny little city, like tiny little town in the, in like the northeast of Victoria, which is kind of about – it was about three hours from Melbourne. Um, I went to a school with – uh, 200 people in the in the whole high school which was wow. year 7 to 12 and it was like 200 kids and um, I played the tuba at school and amazing yeah I mean very unhelpful instrument when it comes to writing songs but I had this like belief in my heart like I went to a church with probably 40 people and I just I was right from a really young age I was convinced that God was going to use me for something special mm-hmm. And so I used to go to bed and write these letters to God that say, um, God, one day I want to write songs that go all over the world. God, one day I want to tell people what you're like through songs. Because I really came to know God through singing about him, and that's how I got to know what he's like. Um, I, didn't, I, I got saved when I was five at the Salvation Army. Wow. Um, because our family was getting food parcels from the Salvation Army. and. Mm. My mum didn't actually get saved till we were about eight, so no one was really teaching me about God. It was, it was. I got to know Him through songs, mm. and so I mean, how cool that like God then put like something in me that like really wanted to show people what He's like through songs because I found a very real God through that, yeah. and how awesome to be able to help people find a very real God through that. Um, so I used to write these letters to God. Like, I mean, my mum had boxes and boxes of them saying, like, one day I want to do something amazing for you. One day I'm going to go all over the world. One day I'm going to write songs that people, like, needed in a season that they were in. And, um, and I started writing songs and they were awful. <laughs> and um, they were, like, rap songs. Like, my first three songs were rap songs and they were not good. They definitely had, like, some... Um, <laughs> weird connotations in there like I had this one song called You Make Me High which I didn't occur to me I didn't take drugs do drugs as a kid and so but didn't occur to me that it was like kind of maybe had a bit of a drug connotation but um I guess I'm kind of proof that like you can have a, a like something in your heart and like God you can commit it to God and he'll 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 connect the dots but you still have to do the work in the meantime yeah um, and there wasn't a striving, but there was definitely a stewardship that was required, you yeah. know. Uh, I, I was always good at lyric, but everything else I really had to learn. And um, I moved to Sydney when I was about 17. And again, like, you know, I didn't just uh, move to Sydney and then become part of Hillsong and then all of a sudden it all just worked out. Right. It was like 10 years at Hillsong of like, again, just like really honing my craft and and, and working and being involved in a team and, and hearing feedback that like made me want to get better at songwriting. And, you know, I think one of the best lessons a songwriter can learn is like the worst journey you can have is that your first song is your big, biggest song mm-hmm. because then there's such a frustration there where you'll spend the next, 
the next however many years trying to figure out how to do that thing again and when you haven't like worked on your craft and you haven't honed your skill set it can be a very frustrating journey so there's a reason that like the bible talks about strength to strength and glory to glory um and i think we need to not be afraid of that there's i'm so grateful for a journey where it's just like you know continually like an uphill climb right right i kind of want to talk a little bit about about just your your move to sydney because yeah just like you said a lot of a lot of people go you know well yeah you go to Hillsong and then I'm going to write a song and then someone's going to hear, I'm going to hear it. And the next thing I know I'm on the team and that's not how it works. I think sometimes we can be, I think it's funny to me, like we as Christians sometimes really take God out of the mix and forget that God it's, it's, it's hard to like trust God when there's people in front of you who feel like they hold the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. You know, and I think it, it's such a good good reminder to keep going back to um, God God is a promoter and God will find you. If God can find David in the back of a field when he was like completely excluded from like, you know, an anointing an anointing service kind of thing, you know. Yeah. If God can find him when he was like not even not even in the running and say go out and get this kid and like let's annoy him as king then God can find anyone. Yeah. And I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on people or leaders or churches mm-hmm. to be the open door for our gifting or be a platform for our gifting. And I think that's where disappointment can come in. I certainly am like the first to raise my hand say and say I've done that for sure. Yeah. Um but it's a great reminder to go back to like God will find a way, because if you don't if you don't live from that place, you're you're going to try and find a way. And to be honest, it makes you a socially awkward person, and yeah. people can smell agenda a, a mile off. You know, like people people can sense like that that hustle. You know, and it it just it doesn't do anyone any favors. So he'll he'll make a way for it, and yeah. you don't have to promote yourself. You just have to be a good steward. Like God really honors stewardship and. I kind of that's something I kind of found like even when I was 17 you know I would hand in songs and um Hillsong has an amazing publisher called Steve McPherson and he is um you know runs the entire publishing department and he was a real believer in like raising up songwriters still is um but man I would hand him in the most awful songs like and he would give me great feedback and say you know this is not good this is not good you need to work on this and 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 this thing like feels like this like one line feels like it's got this something special on it work on it and he was like a great you know so it wasn't like I wrote a song and and it worked out and and then and then everything just like came like a flood it really was like I I wrote 50 songs and then one kind of worked and then I wrote another 20 and then like one kind of worked and you know and I just was continually just learning and and learning from my peers and trying co-writing and writing on my own and just being open to like being a student of songwriting Mm -hmm. I find that interesting too because a lot of the guests that we have on this podcast are are would are artists people would know their name by by I guess you know their tour or their song on the radio or whatever and and you you have released songs and you have sung on songs and you've been part of Hillsong Records and and have your own and all that stuff, but primarily your influence has been as a writer. When when did you start noticing that writing was uh, a passion over not over singing, but like how did you ever manage that balance? Right. Well, yeah, like a lot of people 
who write songs are writing songs out of ne- the necessity of, of creating framework for their voice mm-hmm. um, or creating, like, you know, yeah, songs for their own voice. To be honest, I didn't um, have a strong – I didn't think I had a strong voice and I didn't think I was that, that good of a singer – and so I just thought, well, I'm going to do, well, I'm going to do what I'm good at. And I loved words, and I loved music, and so I just thought, well, I'll just start with songwriting. And so, to be honest, I didn't start. I loved singing, but I didn't start with singing. I didn't start with kind of trying to pursue that, because I as well was surrounded by people that were so much better at it than I was. And so mm. I felt like a bit intimidated because I think I felt like, um, well, songwriting, I could, I could learn it and I could get better at it, but singing feels like you either are gifted or you're not, you know? I mean, I've seen American Idol and, like, you're either gifted or you're not. Well, this may be a tough question, maybe an unfair one, but is there an aspect of that that when you try and fail in songwriting, uh, there's that's usually in private or with one other person you share it with? Or if if there's a moment where you kind of step out and, and everything did not go the way you thought it would, and you're in front of a lot of people. Like, is there an, an element of safety that, that you experience to be able to hone that craft privately or with trusted people? A hundred percent. So, like, I, um, I think, first of all, the singing thing for me, it, I, I realize now I kind of let myself be intimidated by sounds that weren't my sound, and I was trying to do things that weren't, weren't in my lane you know thank goodness for the you know for the Rita Springers of the world who like gave us all permission to be alto singers and sing low and husky you know because that's kind of my wheelhouse um I think I think the hardest thing in in a Christian culture is knowing the difference between being kind and nice because um, I'm grateful for a, ch- a church and for leaders, especially at Hillsong, who were kind to me but not not nice. Right. Because it would be a yeah. Unpack that for me a would, little bit. It would be it would it would have been an absolute disservice to me to take my average songs and put um, amazing musical framework around it and make it win because it would have made, it would have convinced me I was better than I am. Mm. And I, and it would have made me feel like I was ready for something that I actually wasn't ready for. Interesting, yeah. Um, and I think sometimes, I mean, the spirit of God is so is so beautiful because He will move when something's whether something's good or whether it's not, yeah. because He's like God's heartbeat is so people. I remember being like back at youth camps when I was fourteen, and you know, some kid playing the guitar very badly and singing very badly, but the presence of God came, mm-hmm. and God will use what's available, you know, right. to to meet with people. But I do think, like, when it comes to, you know, pursuing a gifting or pursuing like something that God has in your heart, I'm a massive believer of being a steward. But the only way that you can be a good steward and 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 have that kind of safety net that you're talking about is by allowing people to speak into something and not not taking it personally and not being offended. You know, I think sometimes like we can give off an air of like, don't tell me the truth because you're going to get a massive reaction. And I've been totally guilty of that in the past because songs were so songwriting was so hard for me because mm-hmm. I wasn't naturally necessarily gifted at so much of it yeah. that like. I would put so much of my heart and so much of my time in it and then when I would show, show it to someone and they didn't love it the way that I loved it, there was like mm-hmm. a bit of an offence there instead of just taking it as like, okay, well, how can I work on it? Yeah. You know, and realising that like like people are trying to make you a better songwriter not just to write a good song. Right. 
um, I think you've got to allow people to speak into things. If you're a singer and and um, and you're like maybe like worship leading at church or something, like make sure you have people that don't just tell you you were amazing, you did you did a great job every week, especially if you know you didn't. Yeah. You know, if if you didn't bother to learn the songs and you picked songs in keys that you can't sing, yeah. Don't don't allow people to like I guess like blow smoke you know yeah. and and just convince you of something that's not real because you'll start to believe your own hype and I think that's true of anyone yeah I think that's true especially in a Christian culture like mm-hmm. we we got to be careful of not telling people what they want to hear because Jesus never did and it made people better well that's I mean you, you summed yourself up in in like such a way because what I've been doing and you probably don't know this and you you'll hear it when you hear this podcast but. Uh, I've had a lot of other people who've written with you uh, talk about writing with you. Because I oh, thought it'd be hilarious. really cool to get. I thought it'd be really cool to get their perspective. <laughs> they probably all said she's very direct. She will tell you the truth. <laughs> um, legend came up a couple times. Oh, that's good. And here I am again with Meredith Andrews. I mean, I have so many stories, Josh, so I don't know how many you want. But more recently, where I could just, share, let me share one more recently. Um, let's see. So one of the, the song that um, was the last to make this record, uh, the Faith and Wonder record, is a song called Have to Have. And uh, Mia and I wrote it with Jacob, my husband, and uh, our worship pastor, extraordinaire amazing friend Andrew Holt he's just this young kid belonging that has a heart of gold and he's one of my favorite people on the planet we got together um this summer and we were writing and and uh she goes hey I have an idea and I'm like well that's no surprise (laughs) because usually when Mia's in the room I just kind of default to her unless there's something like burning in my heart because she's always got lots of ideas um but she's like hey Mayor do you remember the vertical recording, the Frontiers recording, like three years ago, and you sang that song, um, Come Holy Spirit. And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, you did this spontaneous, and you started singing, like, God, I'm desperate for your presence. I have to have your presence. And she's like, do you remember me telling you that when you sang that I have to have your presence, that, like, everything shifted in the room? And I was like, yeah, and I felt that. I remember that very clearly. She's like, well, I've always wanted to write a song that says that. Like, God, I have to have mm. your presence. And I'm like, well, why Why'd you wait so long? <laughs> you know, because yeah. that was three years ago. We've written probably 10 songs at least since then. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, God's timing's perfect. And this is actually... It needed to be on this record, and it it was the it it actually bumped off another Mia song that's going to be on my next project. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the the chorus is simple, but it just says, "I have to have your presence. I have to know the sound of your voice. I long mm. to touch the heavens. I don't want to live without you. I don't want to live without you." And it's again just that the heart of everything. God, you're it. I have to have. If, you yeah. know, this one thing I ask, this one thing I see. And I love that I've gotten to write two songs like that with her. Like, who's somebody in your life that you go, I'm so thankful that they just said it exactly what I need to hear, not, or what I need to hear, not what I wanted to hear? Um, well, I mean, I have this, 
I think some some days I feel like it's a bad habit, some, but most days I feel like it's like absolutely the kindness of God. I have this habit of surrounding myself with people that are very direct. Yeah. Um, and so I think about my friendships and I think about like, you know, Alex Seeley, you know, Steph Sonchen, who you were talking about before. Yeah. I have another friend, Kelly Sagar, who is a r- very close friend with me in Australia. Um, and, you know, another, another friend, Tan Cross here. Mm-hmm. And they will always tell me the truth, you know. They will always say, what can you change? Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll pitch things, which Christians are very good at this, pitching it from out, like, so that we come across as the hero or we come across as, like, be on my team. But I will pitch things to, to my friends and they'll say, even if it was, like, an injustice or if it was something that wasn't fair or something that, like, was hurtful, they will say, you know, Steph Sonchen especially will say, uh-huh, I understand. What can you change? You know, my husband does that as well. And, you know, I'm very grateful for a husband who won't um, pad my insecurity. I'm grateful yeah. for friends who won't pad my insecurity because I don't actually want to stay someone that people are afraid to tell me the truth or I don't want to stay in the place I'm at. Like, And I think the only way you, you move forward is by having people tell you who you are and not who you're not. So, like, I, I don't surround my friends, myself with friends who say, like, well, you're just a mean person or you're like this or you're like that. I do surround myself with people who, who call out something more, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, that time that you called, mm-hmm. you know, just saying to you, like, you actually have better. I can say that to you because I know you and I mm-hmm. know that you actually do have better songs in you and, like, you, you can work harder. Yeah. Like, if I if I I can hear something from like especially one of my friends and say like you know that's it's good but I don't even I mean I know you well enough to know that like <laughs> you do have better in you and you didn't spend that much time on this yeah no <laughs> totally like I, and I I would I would totally agree with that and one of the things that that God's been teaching me is that no um, you don't go to the gym for two days and walk out with a six pack. Right. That just does not happen. Well, you don't go to the gym every day for five minutes. You know, there's this one guy that's always at the gym when my husband goes and my husband thinks he's just hilarious. Like, cause he's like, I feel so bad for that guy. I want to go talk to him. Cause that, this guy like comes in, like goes on the bike for five minutes, like, sl- like rides very slow mm-hmm. and then leaves, you know? And this guy's a young guy and like, he's like, Oh, I'm not getting the results that I wanted. And I'm, and my, my husband's like, but man, you're not putting in the work. So I don't know. I think, I think it's good to surround yourself with an equal measure of people that that say come up mm-hmm. and people that celebrate you know in this in this last season I've realized like how important it is to have people that celebrate like your wins and celebrate your good moments because I yeah. think I, in the past I've always surrounded myself and probably been a person that is that doesn't celebrate very like the 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 God moment mm-hmm. as well as I could or doesn't have people around me that celebrate it as well as you know, I would want them to. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me kind of just always like never celebrate it and just keep moving on to the next thing, which there's a good part of that as well. But, you know, to not revel in the glory days, you know, yeah. but, but also I think it's, it's good to have a balance. Well, I wanted to ask too, and you're someone who doesn't publicize your wins <laughs> is as much as other people might on Instagram. And I now have this thing where I'll be driving in the car with my wife and a song will come on, a worship song or whatever song. I'll be like, 
This sounds like a Mia song. Like, I feel like I hear a little bit of her in it. And, like, just to name a few, like, Peace Be Still, Chainbreaker, Tremble, Not For A Moment, Have It All, Zeal. I am not, like, just a list of songs that you've been part of writing. And, like, I'm looking at this list here, and I have it set to, like, show 100 per page. And there's, like, four or five pages. So I guess my, my question is... You've got 400 songs that went somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about the ones that go, went nowhere. That Oh, there's heaps that went nowhere. I think it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that it's a bad thing to, to celebrate something mm-hmm. publicly at, no, all. at all. Like, and I think sometimes, like, I actually really appreciate, you know, my friends saying, hey, like, I, I, I was a part of this project and I'm yeah, really excited about it. I'm like, man, you were a part of that project? That's fantastic. I do think there's a difference between celebrating something and showcasing something. And I, and I can, you, you can never judge the motive of somebody's heart, but you can judge fruit, you know? And I just think, I mean, I don't... There's this, there's this girl that serves in our kids' ministry at our church, and she's not putting on Instagram every day like, oh, today I, like, took a kid, you know took a line of kids and like walked them across the road from church and like you know today like I taught a kid about Jesus or today I I read a story or today I found a band-aid for like a kid who fell over or you know she's not putting it on Instagram every day and I know that there is an element of like how do we find out about certain songs unless you know Instagram definitely is like a marketing tool now as well but Mm. I just think you gotta be careful about like you're not advertising your service to God every day um I always think as well with songs, you know, I definitely do celebrate some moments, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got to go to the Grammys a couple of years ago yeah. and didn't win. So I felt like I could put it on the internet because I was like, well, <laughs> I'm not really celebrating anything, but I do look pretty today. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, in a nice, I'm in a nice dress. But even if you did win, like... I, as, as a friend, as a, I want to know totally. if I want to celebrate I think you. it's just you always just got to judge the motive of your own heart, you know. If you're putting it on there because you need people to know about it and you need people um, to, like, validate it, then I think that's, like, a hard place to be because yeah. I think it will never be enough. But I think if you're putting it on there to celebrate it, then there's a, there's a difference. I once heard a pastor say, and I've tried to run, I've tried to run a fil- this filter, and sometimes I do it and sometimes I forget to do it and sometimes I wish I did it. But asking yourself... Who is this post for? Yeah. What? What's? Who is it for? Mine's usually for my sisters. It's like most of my posts are about my husband or my dragon. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and sometimes it's, you know, I I have a thing with um, songs. This is funny that we're going down such an Instagram path. Yeah, I like, um, I like it though. Because I think I come at it from a bit of a different angle, and now I feel like if I post something, someone's going to be like, "Well, you said on the podcast," and I'm going to be like, "Well, it's okay, just it's fine." Like we know the motive of your heart, though. So well, you know, and some days I think it's something you check every day because some days, like I do want to post things just so people will see it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think those days I I just put my phone away, you know. I there, you know, there is there is I've just kind of lived by this rule of like. You know, like if no one ever knows that I wrote that song, yeah. it doesn't change the impact of the song. Absolutely. You know, I'll still hear stories about it, or I'll still, you know, read, you know, read emails from like that people have sent the artist maybe mm-hmm. that said this song did this for me. Um, you know, I was with um, even some, you know, some friends this week 
who are like, you know, women, a bunch of women who are in worship. And, you know, we had uh, Rita Springer stay with us. And, you know, I've known Rita for, for years now. And, and she, she just goes, I didn't know you, you wrote Tremble. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know. And it kind of was nice that she didn't know, you know. Because yeah. it doesn't change the impact of that song. It doesn't change. And to be honest, it doesn't change anything about our relationship, whether she knows or not. I kind of live by a rule of even on, even on social media that if I wouldn't talk about an album or say like, wow, I'm really excited for my friends mm-hmm. putting this project out, if I wouldn't do it anyway and I don't love the album anyway and I'm only posting about it because I've written for it, then I, then I probably shouldn't post about it. Well, and the other thing is too, you know, I think we've, we've forgotten why, like, why did we sign up for Facebook and Instagram? To connect with people we know. Right. And people we know know us. And when you post yeah. something, they're like, yeah, but I know that's not, their, that's not the intent or that's never right. the heart. But it always comes down to the, the critics are usually the people that don't know us. Right. And I think, I think that's okay. I think, you know, any kind of leadership comes with some sort of influence. And mm-hmm. there's, gonna be a, there's always going to be like that tension of like they understand or they don't or they, they misinterpret or they don't or they're offended or they're not. But I think just, I wouldn't put too much stock in it. Like, yeah. I just think put stock into the, the face-to-face moments, put stock into phone calls. You know, I actually do love Instagram because my family lives on the other side of the world. So there's part of me that like loves making sure that I can see pictures of my nephew mm-hmm. when my sister forgets to send them, you know. Or, you know, I can find out like what my mum's, you know, reading on like reading in the Word of God because she'll like mm-hmm. post about it on Facebook. My parent, yeah. my mum's such a Facebooker. Um, mine, mine too. <laughs> right, um, but I just, I also like, you know, I I had a, another friend here this week, Hannah Hobbs. And she's from Sydney, from Hillsong, and mm-hmm. and she's she just deleted Instagram completely, not the app, like deleted the whole thing. Um, because she just was like, yeah, like it just wasn't good for me in the season. Like I, like she, she just had a baby and she said like, you know, it just wasn't good for my headspace. So mm-hmm. I just got rid of it. And I think that's a really good rule to live by. If it's yeah. not good for your headspace, get rid of it. You wrote a song. And it was, it reached a lot of people called He Knows My Name. You were part of writing that with mm-hmm. uh, Francesca Battistelli. Mm-hmm. If you can remember, take, take me, take us into the writing of that song because, you know, I'm not sure all of our listeners understand sort of how a song is written from people pulling into a parking lot to leaving and then album. Like, right. take us through. That process, the conversation that took place and, and, and where that came from. Right. Well, the funny thing is, is that idea is actually a, a, an idea that was from when I was 17. Mm. Um, and that's not to say I just sat on my blessed assurance and did nothing for years. Because mm-hmm. I think there's that as well. Like people are like, well, God gave me this song and like I've just carried it for like 20 years. And I'm like, no, you just were a bad steward. Like mm-hmm. you just didn't do anything. And I think there's, you've got to really like, figure out the line of like is this time or is it not time so I had this idea and I kind of like forgot about it it was just this thing that God happened like that happened to me that I remembered and in the meantime I wrote songs about a bunch of other things well um Francesca was like writing for her 
not like this last album, the album before. Yeah, I think it was like, yeah. Yeah, two albums ago. And um, I will always talk to God about, man, if you talk to God about people, it'll change the game. Mm. You know, um, I was really challenged about that again this week. You know, Rita Springer was in Nashville and she talked about like just like asking God about people, you know, and it, it really does change the game because every single song I can think of that has had any kind of significance have, have usually been about one person or one moment, mm. you know. So I will often, before I go into a session, ask God, what's this person's authority? Is there anything that you're particularly saying to them at the moment? Is there anything you want to say through them? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it kind of helps helps the process be easy. It's basically like I'm always in a framework of songwriting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can grow strawberries in the summer or I can build a greenhouse, you know, and I want to be a greenhouse mm-hmm. where I can grow anything in any season, whether it's like a dry season or, or a cold season or, you know, whatever. So um, I actually, we actually started the song. I was, I was run at Seth Mosley's house, who's a, like a phenomenal producer and writer mm-hmm. in town. And I was run at his house and he said, did, did you have like, a, a, like that, uh, that idea that you have for Franny? Do you want to like work on that maybe and then we can like maybe send it to her? And, you know, because we didn't have a session booked with her that day. And so I was like, yeah, like I just was thinking, what if we, like it's not really a fresh title, but what if we wrote a song called He Knows My Name? And I told Seth this story of um, when I was at Hillsong, the first week I was at Hillsong having come from like a, a church of like 40 people and then going to a church of thousands and thousands, I remember sitting up the back as a 17-year-old and Darlene Check walked on the stage and she started leading the worship and halfway through the worship she stops and she says, where, where is like, I can't remember what she said, Rebecca or Nicole or something like that. And it was just this unknown girl, like I'd never, heard, like, you know, she'd, I'd never seen her on like a Hillsong album or anything. She just was like part of the congregation and... You know, Darling just called her up to the stage and said, I just want you to pray over the congregation. And, you know, she wasn't a pastor. She didn't have a title. She just was a girl in the church and just prayed over the conversa- like over the congregation. And I remember sitting up the back being like, wow, like, like Darlene knows her name. Like, yeah. like what, if, what if Darlene one day knew my name? Like, mm-hmm. And then the Holy Spirit like, put his arm around me and he said, I know your name. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and it kind of changed how I went how I did the next, you know, 10 years, like, mm. like where, where I would go back to this moment of like my first week at Hillsong when the Holy Spirit would say to me, like, I know your name, like, it's enough, I know your name. And I just, so I said, I said, it'd be cool to write a song out of that, like that, regardless of, you know, what platform you stand on, like, like whose, whose shoulders, who, who you rub shoulders with, like, that the king of the world and the god of the universe knows your name yeah. and that's pretty spectacular i mean it's that's enough to <laughs> it's enough to really keep you thinking beyond just that phrase just the depth of god right and i think i think francesca you know the reason even like the idea like made me think of her was i mean i don't know anyone who has like more authority to just speak into like she just like the way she speaks about identity and just disarms kind of, you know, any feeling of failure or shame or whatever. She ha- her songs just do that for people, you know, and from a, for a pretty wide age range. You know, I love, she'll tell me about like a, uh, you know, an email that she got from like a 17-year-old saying like, man, this song really, you know, challenged me about identity and really was a safe place for me. Or, or she'll say like, you know, I met this like, you know, 70-year-old at a, at a concert who said like, man, that song like, 
like made me feel significant when I, I didn't feel significant my whole life, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, so we kind of like started the song, like did like a verse and a chorus and then sent it to her and then she was like, yeah, I'm in and came over and like finished it and, you know, you know, she really, I love like that she'll confess things over people, you know, mm-hmm. she really like that bridge, you know, he calls me chosen, free, forgiven, wanted, child of the king, you know, I love that she you know, wanted to declare that over people. So it's a worshipful declaration. I've, I've, I've wondered sometimes about will I, if I don't use this song, will I ever write another one? Will I ever? Oh yeah. Will I ever come up with more? And I, it's bread. Like I remember Jason Ingram saying to me, like, um, that he feels like a baker. If someone comes in and buys the entire, entire shop's worth of bread, it doesn't matter to him. He's just going to bake more bread right? because he's a baker, you know? And I think that's such a good standard to live by. Like I, to not live, I think it's a poverty mentality to live in a place where you're like, what if I, I never write again? I got to guard this. I got to. Yeah. I've got to protect it so carefully. I do think you have to be careful about what you align with. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes God's like wait, um, on certain ideas or certain things. Um, and sometimes he'll be strategic with you about this idea is for this thing or like, and sometimes he won't, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the best thing about songwriting though has not been like it, like creating a career or like creating, you know, like any any kind of like connection or anything. The best thing it's been is it's helped me to know God better and it's been the way that like my relationship with God has gone deeper and deeper, you know, because there's things I've sung over myself that like – had cost me everything and there's things that like I sung of myself that I didn't even know I would need for the next season right and what a gift to be able to partner with people and and do that with them as well you know yeah you know a song like peace be still for like hope dust and I um in that writing session it was the song we needed that moment that day to sing peace because we both were in a season where we didn't feel it yeah. for Andrew Holt who was the third writer on the song he he was not in that season, but then ended up walking through a very hard season with losing, um, you know, them them getting pregnant and having a miscarriage with their first baby. Um, So he needed the song in the next season. And I think how cool that like, you know, they, he got, he got to sing it before he needed it. And I mean, the beautiful part is they now have a little girl called Olive, who everyone calls the peace baby, you know? That's awesome. I, I mean, other than that song, is there a song that you've written maybe that when you were writing it, you, you were trying to place yourself in a season you weren't in, but it actually helped you down the road that you needed oh, it at another time? Yes, yeah, so many songs like that. Like, so many. Um, I think... Um, Tremble is a song like that. You know, Tremble started out being about night terrors and I don't have night terrors. And and so I was like, it's, I mean, it doesn't, it's not really applicable to me except that the truth and this is applicable to everything. Yeah. You know, and it, and for for some people it has been, you know, I've got friends whose, whose kids have night terrors and mm-hmm. they were like, I don't know why, but like we play Tremble and like our kids like sleep peacefully when we play Tremble. And I, and I said to them, well, actually the song is, it got written from about, about night terrors, you know? But then I have other friends who are like, man, I have, like, massive anxiety and, like, that song brings me peace. So I think it's amazing how, like, even for me, like, I I will 
be doing like warfare on something or praying into something like I'm praying into something at the moment and like I'm feeling like this kind of resistance and I start singing like Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble mm-hmm. and you know it 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 didn't start out like that for me but like for this season it's become that and I think that's the beautiful thing about songs is that in in one season it means one thing and in another season it's like it's like a lifeline for another thing yeah and certainly there's those songs that that speak to uh, season that you'll follow because I had no idea that the song was written about that and yeah that's a song that we have played in our house for our kids as well um, oh, that's when, they've, awesome. when they've had and just that proclamation peace bring it all to peace mm-hmm. and um, the trembling nature of God I love I love the lyrics of that and just and just how powerful and 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 fresh that is but I I gotta ask and this is maybe a funny funnier aside is there a song that you've written that somebody put on an album and you're like, they put that one? They chose that one? I mean, I'm sure there is. Like, <laughs> I, I can't... Well, I don't want you to throw anyone under the bus. Yeah. Like, throw any co-writers under <laughs> the bus. Can you imagine? Not... Yeah. No, I, I think... I think there is there's you know what I would say there's definitely songs that I don't feel because I do it every day and and honestly I go in going I'm trying to serve what somebody else is doing and I think that's like every um every non-artist writer in town feels like that I'm going in to serve what you do and and I'm here to like be an armor bearer for you um I think it's kind of like, yeah, I'm an armor bearer for other people, and I'm like, you're going to war about that, like yeah. that's stupid, like, but, but I'll go. It doesn't matter. It's not my fight. Like, I, I'm just here to like. You have to almost remove yourself from. Yeah. The so like, there's personality. and there's some songs where I'm like, I don't connect with this idea because, um, I've not, I've, I, I have no framework for it. You know, like right. I didn't live it. But I also think you can lean into like the truth of of any circumstance you can have empathy for anyone in any circumstance so you know maybe I'm going in writing a song about marriage before I was married I don't have context for that except that I I have context for for you know what God's doing and like relationship and like and and even like you know I can ask God for like a word for that person in in the session yeah you know um yeah so I think there's definitely songs I, I don't feel connected to um but I, but I'm still proud of those songs. Well, the la- I mean, the last thing I'm going to ask you, and then we're going to hear one of your songs here on the podcast or, or a segment of it. But what would you say to the young creative uh, that's in their church, the young worship leader, um, songwriter? Uh, I don't know the the girl who's playing open mic nights, singing country songs or whatever. What would you say to the young uh, person who's trying to find their voice or find their song? You know, I would, I would say a bunch of things. I think the the biggest the biggest thing I would say is like, just be a good steward of your season and be a good steward of your craft, and don't try and rush anything. You know, it. I think there's this fear in in people that like, that God giving them a word or them having a dream is going to mean they're going to have to wait forty years before it comes to pass. But God's just not like that. You know, he will he will show his kindness to you and give you a few wins along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was eighteen when I had my first song signed and I wasn't even a very good songwriter, you know, and I, I've spent the last eighteen years working on it. You know, I still have days where I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like last year was a whole year of like I really have no idea what I'm doing. And I think just don't rush the season, like 
And I would say as well, be open to what God wants to do with you. If you develop a relationship with God, then you will hear what he has for you and you won't be trying to chase something that he doesn't have because it's very hard to do something that you're not graced to do you know it's very hard to like force yourself into the pop world if you are not graced for for the pop world Mm -hmm. it's a very hard thing to force yourself into like being like i don't know like a country writer if you if you're not interested in country and you don't listen to country and you don't have a grace for it you know i think just i'm so glad that i i have a relationship that's real with the holy spirit because so often when i don't know what to do i can just ask him what he's already doing and Mm. there's a relaxing into that and just you know that i think that's what the rhythms of grace is it's just like you know not 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 trying to rush ahead of god you know i've i've been in a season this last two years where i said to god at the end of 2017 i want new realms Mm. And I kind of had a, an idea in my head of what that looked like. And, and for the last year, it's felt like God has closed so many doors. And not in a way that, like, I, it's personal, but it's in a way that, like, I mean, that's something. You've got to not treat things as personal and, like, know that God's in all of it. But I, it's felt like, you know, last year I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with songwriting. I don't really understand. Can I still write songs? Mm-hmm. It feels like that door closed. It feels like that door closed. It feels like I've missed the mark there. And honestly, I can see that, like, every time I go back to God, he, he says, like, you wanted new realms. I'm making room. Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, like, make room then. So I think just ask God what he's doing and then ask him how you can partner with him. Yeah, well, that's good wisdom. And, uh, well, I want to thank you for coming and sharing that because that uh, there's just so much wisdom to glean here. I feel like we had a leadership podcast today. Uh, <laughs> normally I have more, more jokes to crack, but today I was in a really serious mood. <laughs> no, it's good. I like it. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time. And just to close off this podcast, I'm, I usually ask the artist to pick a song, but I'm going to pick a song today. Because I Go feel for like, it. I feel like we really... Uh, we really took some ground in this today. So um, we're going to listen to Tremble. Awesome. This is Tremble by Mosaic here on Overflow Beyond the Music. I'm your host, Josh McCabe, with Mia Fields. Check it out. Jesus, Well, there you have it. There's my conversation with Mia Fields. Thanks so much to Mia for joining the podcast. Thanks to Meredith Andrews for popping in for a couple segments. We really, really appreciate that. And just a reminder, you want to check out the show notes. You want to check out some of the links. We're going to have some links to Mia's music, to some songs she's written. And we're also going to make sure to have all her social media on there. You can give her a follow. I'm telling you, some of her throwback photos are worth following her for. They're pretty hilarious. So thanks again for joining us here on episode number five in season two, 205, if you want to be technical. I'm your host, Josh McCabe. We'll see you again soon. This is Overflow Beyond the Music. <laughs>